0: Good morning to Alex. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Hi. Hey, well, it's great to have you and uh, and looking forward to hearing the story. So um Jill, why don't you um, why don't you lead us off?
1: I shall take this away. Hi Alex, uh, nice nice to chat with you and uh, yes, thanks very much for joining us. Um well, first of all, I think it's actually really cool to have to have someone on the show from a region that's really not well known um you know, Australia wide for wines and that is the the Hastings River. Hastings River region around Port Macquarie, which is about halfway between uh, Brisbane and Sydney. Um, So, uh, so we thought we'd get Alex on the on the on the on the phone, and um, and then of course, Alex, I realised that you've uh, been awarded the uh, the Australian Society of Viticultural uh, Viticulturalist uh, Winemaker of the Year award. So, um, so congratulations for that.
2: (laughs) Thank you very much.
1: Uh, so can we uh, maybe let's just say uh, let's let's just hit off with that. Um, the reason that you were actually awarded this uh, this fantastic honour uh, is to do with um, uh, your innovation around uh, smoke taint. Can you uh, can you talk to us a bit about that?
2: Yeah, so it was a lot to do with well everything to do with the the bushfires that surrounded 2019, 2020. Um, obviously, in particular 2020, because that's when we uh, typically harvest our grapes. But the I guess the the challenge with twenty twenty was um, the fires being such a widespread event, um, which affected pretty much every region that we saw grapes from. So at, at Cassegrians, we source grapes in from various different regions around New South Wales, and we try to tap into as many as we can. And um, but every one of those regions were affected, so it wasn't like one wasn't affected where you could source fruit from. It was literally everyone. So to us, the idea of, I guess. The knowledge around Smokane was quite limited um, at the time and still is to an
1: extent. Yeah, sure.
2: Um, but, you know, with the, the efforts with the vineyards and trying to salvage whatever we could and if there were things that we could do that we had the ability to do at the time, um, but in terms of, I guess, all the unknowns, just leaving the grapes on the vines um, wasn't, wasn't a, a, a sustainable plan for us.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: It's we, um, Alex. We covered it quite uh, extensively when the fires were around King Valley, um, yep. and they were, you know, they were every day sending samples off to um to Adelaide to get them tested. And it's just, it's such a an an amazing problem, isn't it? Because it can be really patchy. Like it can be, you know, a block maybe just unaffected where where it could have had smoke, you know, sitting around it, but. Often, you know, if it sits in a valley or something like that, it's just going to, to really ruin the, the vintage totally.
2: Yeah, I guess that that was, to me, the, the biggest issue was, was, like, literally we were learning things on the fly. Every mm-hmm. day we would learn something new. Um, and don't get me wrong, the amount of bucket ferments that we did was just out of control.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but for us, the, you know, going into it, it was obviously um, getting your your samples tested, but also, under the, I guess, um, understanding that if it was pre on smoke taint had virtually no impact. We found that that's not necessarily the case now, um, mm. which obviously came out during the 2020 bushfires. Um, but I guess that there were the, the other things as well, which were, if your vineyard was around 20 or so kilometres away, as long as the smoke went up in the air, a lot of the compounds were technically like denatured, I guess, in the atmosphere before landing on the vineyard. Okay. So
1: yeah, it was always, good.
2: And, and But we found that that's also not true. You know, the smoke taint, depending on how thick and everything else, can actually carry for a lot longer, 40, 60 kilometres, and still have an impact. Um, but, yeah, like you're saying, there were some vineyards that were just in a certain pocket, be it on the side of a hill that didn't seem to cop it, mm-hmm. um, which was the case for one of our vineyards in Orange that we did the bucket ferments and, and found um, there to be very little Issue. There was an issue there. Like we saw that the compounds were there, um, but I guess at the same time as they weren't deemed to be enough to cause us a problem. So we we took the risk on and, and processed that and and um, turned it into wine, obviously, and and in fact turned it into sparkling wine, um, doing the method traditional. And it didn't have an issue. But I, I guess the the other important thing to note is um, our understanding of the degree of all the conjugates and how they all play a part in the overall wine was what we're still very much learning as we go. Um, I, I, with um, my team as well, which were, you know, constantly talking to the AWRI um, and Vin Essentials and all that to try and gain as much information because a lot of times when you're doing the bucket ferment, it's literally only days before you pick. Mm. And sometimes Mm. you don't have a chance to be able to do the bucket ferment send your sample away before you've got to make the decision to pick um, purely because of the fact that you want to pick as close to the time as possible so that you're getting the most realistic information because the fires are still around
0: mm-hmm.
2: so it's not something you can do two three weeks in advance and and know that it'd be fine because the fires are still there um so for us it was if we could send the samples away then great uh, if we couldn't we just purely had to get it through ferment and, and literally taste it um, and smell it as a, as a bucket. But we tried to replicate exactly what would happen in the cellar, which was quite difficult. So it wasn't just a matter of just trying to punch through the bucket ferments as quick as we could. Mm. Uh, and although we did do that for seri- seri- uh, several batches, for us, I guess the important thing was um, trying to replicate how we do it in the, in the cellar or in the winery so that we were trying to get the most realistic wine at the end of the, the trial. Mm which it, did it, play a huge part.
0: It's like you need a rapid antigen test you know, at the <laughs> winery.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I guess the, 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 one of the stumbling blocks is that the test to, to um, uh, determine the conjugate concentrations in wine, it, it's not a quick process. It can take several yeah. days. And you know, mm-hmm. when we first started, it was up to 10 days, um, then leading down to eventually five. And, and that's a long time to wait yeah. Um, to get your results. Like we all know what happens um, during COVID when you have to wait for that PCR test, it's an anxious wait. Um, but what we, you know, everyone who did very different things and we took, like the the, the great thing with the industry is that it's very, very, um, it comes to a unison and everyone really tried to help out and try it. And, you know, we're talking about their history or their past techniques and what they've done, mm. what didn't work and what worked. And, and for us, what we, you know, we were given some advice to try and use the things that you can use in wines now that are, what, technical additives, like, say, for example, carbon to remove compounds like colour and odour. And we were advised, you know, hit it hard. But to us, it didn't make sense. And that was one of the things that a lot of the things that we're doing were based on experience, based on um, facts, but also just a gut a gut feel. And, and for us, especially with the whites to remove compounds to us would take away from the wine, which is something that we don't like doing anyway. Mm -hmm. And to me, because smoke taint is a compound that doesn't necessarily show its head, I guess, at the the start of the process. It can come later on down the track, you know, Mm -hmm. six months, 12 months. And to me, removing anything that can give um, mouthfeel, aromatic profile, I guess, the prettiness of a wine there's something that you would want to try and promote, so we, we changed a lot of the things we did, um, not only for white wine making, I guess, but for red, where we tried to make them as fruit forward as possible, um, in a way of just sort of trying to hopefully mask any potential issues as well, mm, which, right. like I said, did did really did really well, and we, we got a few awards for some of the some of the wines that we put into some shows in 2020. They, we, you know we took a risk on. But in also, so did the vineyards. Like, there was some, but the fruit never looked better. Like, that's the yeah. scary thing. Yeah, the fruit was yeah. just, it was such a and good year. And that's such a shame. Yeah. Um, and I guess one of the, the major ones we did, which, you know, it's one of the things that it was, our options were limited in 2020 because of the widespread effect of the fires. Um, but one thing that we tried, which we wouldn't normally do to this extent, but we, had, you know, it was one of the things, that, well, let's just see if it works. when a vineyard had known to be more heavily impacted from the smoke taint, um, a lot of it's in the skins. So the whole idea of trying to remove it off skins and, you know, we didn't want to make 100,000 litres of rosé because that can only go so far. Yeah, Um, Yeah, we'll send it
0: to Gold Coast to Jill's place and you'll... (laughs) 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 I'll give it a try.
2: (laughs) We we actually physically got the red grapes in that we knew were... um, a bit more affected and we pressed them off skin straight away to discard those skins. And, and then with the uh, reds that came in from other vineyards that weren't as badly affected, we pressed some of them off skins and put those skins onto the juice of the other, other red so that they still got skin contact, which meant they can get the color and, and all the goodies out of that, but hopefully not as much smoke can. And, and that worked to an extent like the, the wines that were or should have been a lot more effective weren't. Um, But the only problem is that a lot of the regions were affected by smoke taint, so we still had it. But it was a good process to go through because it gave us a, a, you know, because bucket ferments can only tell you so much. And they're always very different to the way that you do a a proper procedure, I guess, in the the cellar. Mm
1: It's you've you mentioned before that some, a lot of it is our gut feel, but of course, from the, from the way that you're describing it now, is it's, a lot of it is science. You know how much you can press it when you take it on, or off, what you can mix and match. So all of this, I guess, is all part of the research. And as you say, you know, pe- people, you know, there's so little knowledge about smoke taint and, and especially any after effects. So you're starting from scratch. Um, are you are you getting some funding for this? I mean, this this, this is a full time job. It seems for for a winemaker to uh to be spending their time trying to work out the smoke taint. So how are, are you getting some help?
2: Yeah, so we were successful in the, in a CRCP, uh, like well, a basically a federal government grant in regards to um, putting together something that would hopefully uh, either mitigate or remove smoke taint mm-hmm. in wines. And we're working very closely with the University of Adelaide and uh, some of my old teachers, I guess, <laughs> um, yeah, great. In, regards, in regards to that and, that. and that's been a fantastic help. Um, look, it is, a, it is a very difficult procedure. And I think what with the comment that you made before about um, my, I guess, experience in smoke tank is very limited. I think that's actually one of the things that has opened up the doors. Um, a lot of the people I've spoken to, winemakers and that, who have dealt with previous bushfires in, the, in Victoria especially, um, I think it was in 96, uh, and in the early 2000s, they didn't want to go near it with a 10-foot pole. The second they heard about smoke taint, they went, no, we're cancelling vintage. And to me, yeah. I get that because they've dealt with it before, whereas I was coming into it going, well, now nah, there's surely got to be something we can do to, you know... Salvage something. Try something, salvage yeah. Yeah. something. And, mm-hmm. and I think that in the end, um, that's part of the reason why we went health leather into trying anything and everything we could because I guess at the, at the end of the day, we hadn't really, we had nothing to lose. Like, you know, the vineyards yeah. had gone through all that effort, and we had agreements with our growers that if we can make something out of it, and we can salvage it and we can sell it, then we, you know, obviously then the fruit's paid for. Um, but for them, it was, they were going to drop it on the ground. So we try to work out a way that both, I guess, out of a bad situation, there could have been a few positives and a few win-wins. So I guess that for me, that was the, um, one of the drivers is that we've got to try something that can try and keep us all happy because we've just come out of several years of drought and then mm. the the years leading up to it were were hard enough as it's, is it's and,
0: heartbreaking isn't yeah. it for the for the growers you work with because their whole season is 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 growing these grapes to give to you to make into wine, and you know for it to be potentially all just dropped on the ground all of that work and and cost that's gone into growing them is just it's mm. heartbreaking
2: yeah and, and look it it truly was and and it's um it's one of the things uh, that when I was going through the process and, and, and in the winery um, because at the time we weren't we were were proceeding with what we were doing without knowing about the the grant, which has helped for a few batches to put through certain procedures now, for us as winemakers we've got the ability to um, I guess process grapes in a certain way that we're allowed to do it in terms of certain additives and, you know, obviously we can use yeast and all those sort of things. But there are limitations to what we can do if if we use products or trial products that aren't, I guess, approved by the industry. We can't sell that product, Mm. um, which is fine. 100% get that. Um, Mm. And that's what this grant has allowed us to do, is to trial um, products from other companies or um, sort of innovative, I guess, products that are coming out or, or they're trying to get... Um, the tick of approval in Australia that this is allowing us to do that, with, in conjunction yep. with all that, so that that's where there's a lot of positive. That you know, if we don't take the risk, we won't ever learn from it. Mm. I guess that's the... exactly right.
0: I think mm. that's a really good point, Alex. And and because the bushfires in 2020 were so widespread, especially down south, um, you there's so much more data now around it, and and hopefully in the fullness of time, we you know you get so much more knowledge about, you know, what you can and can't do, what people tried, what worked, what, you know, and maybe industry does change the rules a little bit and approve certain things for next time?
2: Yeah, well, that's that's all we're really hoping to do. Um, like, there's a company called LIGAR, which are a New Zealand-based company, which have developed yep. a polymer that can physically remove um, the specific compounds. And on, we've got a lot of... Um, we're really anxious about that product to see how it goes because that's the one that, you know, we've done lots of trials and now we're going to go into, into a larger scale um, trial of it with the, the, the I guess, the smoke-tanned wines we've got at the, at the winery. But that, that, to me, has a fantastic amount of promise and I just hope we, we, can, we can do it because in the end, like I said, you know, it may not be able to remove every single compound but the other thing is what we're learning from is removing certain amounts of it. Will it make it a palatable? Like it may not be your reserve quality wine, but that's probably not the be-all and end-all. I think it's just about trying to ensure that we can um, make a salable product and make it a product that people can enjoy, which is, I think, that's probably the most important part is we like to create a product that people enjoy because that's the one thing that we're very proud of is when you see a wine on your table with your food and, and you can enjoy and you enjoy the whole, um, the whole experience. Yes. Um and you know, that's what we're really trying to strive for and because, you know, we're especially coming up from, from where we are on the coast where we're used to mildews, we're used to humidity creating all those disease pressures and stuff like that. And mm. we've we've got a pretty good handle on a lot of that. Like all the wine I speak to would rather deal with a wet year than a bushfire year, <laughs> hand down. Um but You've got a lot more options day,
0: and a lot more choices you can uh, things you can do in a wet year than a smoky
2: year. Yeah, that's right. yes, but it's it's just amazing how how the the they all interact and like I said, we had wines that after fermentation for a few months were looking just fantastic, and then six months down the track they start they start to the change. Mm. Um, and it's not like it's something that grows in the wine; it's just that it's something that becomes more obvious as things change, uh, and, and that's where it's really quite um, fascinating. But you know, don't get me wrong, the, the whole process from when we started the the intake of fruit back in 2020, it was the most, and, you know, I'm only speaking from a, from a winemaker's point of view, um, it was very, very demoralizing to see yep. all this good fruit and it looking fantastic, going through the fermentation really well, very pretty, and, and then for it just to, you know, you finish, you press it out, you put it into tank or into barrel, and then you can just see it and you think, that's
1: heartbreaking. <laughs> well, at least I mean, you did say before that uh, you still managed to get some award-winning wines um, out of the 2020 vintage, which is pretty pretty impressive. So, um, although I think your chardonnay and your rosé, I know, are, are quite well uh, awarded, uh, what other wines?
2: Well, the one in 2020 was a fiano from Hilltops. Um, nice, mm-hmm. and it picked up a, a bronze, um, which I wasn't expecting, and we we just put in there just to see. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, so we're, we're very happy with that that particular wine. But thankfully, I guess it was it landed itself quite well um, because it is a very aromatic wine. Um, and I've still got a few bottles in storage that I, I would look, for, I am looking forward to trying in another year's time, just to see how that changed over over time.
1: Yes. Yeah, because sure. one
2: thing for sure with that particular wine is, um, despite the advice of hit it hard with carbons and fine it to try and remove as much as you can. I actually didn't. I did the complete opposite. Um, <laughs> and and I'm, so I'm really curious to see how that goes because one thing that we know is that yeast hulls and stuff like that do um, fantastic things, which is a natural product that the wine um, was a natural product, product. Sorry, in the process of making wine, actually are very good at binding up those compounds. Um, and in some wines, like I said, it did work, some wines it didn't, but it's all, it's all a, all a learning curve. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, we actually, um, I, I do know, I know your Chardonnay and your Rosé very well, and I'd, I'd love to try the Fiano. And um, given that, say, um, it was a Rosé Day yesterday, International Rosé Day. We are going to have a little bit of a focus on it. And I think it's your your summer's Rosé. It's a 100% Sangiovese, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, nice, and um, come across those sometimes, but yeah, they're awesome. And the uh Chardonnay, your 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 uh, heritage is French. Your family are French, right? Mm. So you quite you do a lot of your your wines in the French style, right?
2: Yeah, so the the Chardonnay is our flagship Chardonnay, um, and the Sangiovese or the Rosé, I guess, is a is a one that I've since starting um, at at Casa Grande, I guess, from a full-time point of view, is something that I've changed quite a lot over the years, um, which is why it's now Sangiovese as opposed to Cabernet or, or Merlot-based. Um, sure. But, yeah, no, the Fromentow is by far flagship. And uh, one thing about us is, like I said before, we we source in grapes from every, uh, you know, about nine of the 12 regions in, in New South Wales. Um, and it's always about trying to pick the best grapes we can for that particular Chardonnay. And, and for the last few years, um, I believe since 2018, it's always been a basically hundred percent Tumberumba. Um, yeah. Now, if you've ever, if you've ever been down to there, or if you've ever, if you've ever had wines from there, you'll find this, the, the characteristics of the wines quite um, minerally. Yes.
1: And it's yep. The perfect absolutely. Term to
2: use the word terroir. Uh, yes. Which, you know, some people believe in or don't believe in. I'm a fond believer of it. Um, and, and to me, that that's where that region just shines. Every region has got their hero varieties. There's no question. Um, Absolutely. And to me, Tamarama 100% Chardonnay is arguably one of the best in the state. Um, and but just like you know, you've got Semyon in the Hunter Valley and stuff like that. So yep. we try and one thing that we try and do, and this is where uh, I really enjoy what I do, is that we try to make the best out of each region. Um, and in some cases, we do do blends because we're trying to get get uh, get the best out of every single region for different aspects to create that blend. But for mm. the Chardonnay, it is typically one um, hundred uh, percent hand picked Tumbraum Chardonnay.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're you are a turbo t- t- driven person. We had Brian Crozer on uh, last week, and he's um, a week before, and he's uh he definitely pioneered that that kind of style so um look alex having you on has been fantastic and we actually did sp- we, we probably spent even more time on the smoke taint but god we could just talk about that for hours couldn't we because it's such an <laughs> unknown quantity and um it's so exciting that we've got people like you and we've got people behind i'm um, giving grants so that we can uh, get get on top of this and who knows what you know what the findings will be so look re- good luck with it all and keep us posted I with do. what's going on we'll, like, we'll get you back on the show in a few months you can give us an update on on, on what's happening and um, and, and look, and maybe next time we can touch a bit more on your wines and the area itself. But uh, but this has been really eye opening. I'm sure Simon would agree, yeah, and uh, anyone who's listening, it's um it's it's fascinating to hear. But it's great to know that people are grabbing it and working with it as an opportunity, as opposed to a disaster. So, look, thank you so much, Alex. Um no, thank you very we're much. We're going to let you get back to your research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank all you. About the <laughs> Thanks very much,
0: Alex. No problems all. The Have best.
1: a great thank day, you. mate. Bye. Thanks very much. You too. Bye.